It's official, Frank. We could not decide on one topic, so we got four topics this week. I love how we always like quadruple our work when we, yeah, when, when we're already failing at our jobs. Yes, James, it's random week. It's not a lightning round. It's random week. How about that? Yeah. And in fact, I think this is pretty good. I was listening to the Tech Meme Ride Home Twitter space extra from this last weekend or two, and they just kind of rambled on stuff. And I was like, that's kind of actually every once in a while, I feel like a good rambling podcast (laughs) is good. Maybe that should be a Twitter space. Maybe we should investigate Twitter spaces, but I don't even know how they work. But, you know, I top of mind wanted to get some things off my chest. But Frank, before we get there, let's thank our amazing sponsor this week so we can just talk about those topics without any more ads. Syncfusion, that's right. You guess it because Syncfusion is amazing. They've been with us for like ever and they're awesome. And I've been with them forever because I've used them for like 15 years. It's crazy. But Syncfusion is a company that really builds absolutely stunning UI components for any type of application you're building. Web, desktop, mobile, you name it, they got it. In fact, they have brand new .NET MAUI controls as well. Ooh, so if you need your charts, graphs, controls, labels, sliders, signature pads, maps, barcode generators, you need document processing for Excel, PDF, uh, Word, PowerPoint, they got it all. They got all the stuff in there. It is absolutely astonishing. They support everything. Down in Maui, Xamarin, Flutter, UWP, Blazor, ASP.NET Core, JavaScript, Angular, React, Vue, jQuery, WinForms, WPF, WinUI, all the things. Oh my gosh, Frank, they support everything. Give them a look at syncfusion.com slash merge conflict to check out all of their amazing controls. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week. Ah! <laughs> I do love how they support everything. It's kind of great. Got to collect them all. That's what I say. Okay, Frank, number one, I want to give an update here because we talked about it around WWDC, but you know I'm running iOS 16 as my main device because I'm not that smart. Um, (laughs) But Frank, I have an update. I got two updates. I got three updates. Let me make a prediction. Smooth sailing. I I, I think our our releases are so incremental these days. I bet you're going to say something like your battery's always dead because that's how debug builds are. Uh, But, you know, ever since like iOS 7, I feel like these these betas have been pretty smooth. Uh, So, James, how wrong am I? Uh, This is the bumpiest beta I've had in a while. Ouch! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Wasn't predicting that. Okay. So my predictions were going to be at a minimum terrible battery life and that's yeah you're right that's every beta. <laughs> it's the logging have you ever hooked up the console to one of the debug devices you know the Those. there's the console app on the mac it's kind of hilarious everyone i mean it's already if you open if, you know if you use it it's already flooded but the debug builds are especially flooded yeah and these ones i feel are very different than oh i'm on ios 13 already that's stable and and you know i'm going to ios you know 15 it was 15.3 now it's at 15.4 like those are shorter ones they probably have like just you know a medium level but like yeah it's definitely intense i will say this i'm on my iphone se 2 still uh performance i would say just as good so as far as scrolling and doing stuff that's that's lickety split although that being said i'm getting at least a crash every day sometimes multiple Ooh. times a day and like a uh, so uh, like a full reboot kind of crash or like an app crash I have gotten many, I've gotten, I've gotten many an app crash, which is the app is fully functional. Something happens is like, oh, poof, gone. And then you mm. get a screen that's like, something's gone wrong. You should report that. But I have gotten full on system meltdown crashes, a hundred percent, about two or three times, which isn't that many. There's not that many. That's really good. But I'm, I don't use my phone that much. I don't do that <laughs> much on it, to be honest with you. I, 
text you that I'm going to be late to the podcast and then that's it, you know? Um, so I'm not like playing games or doing stuff like that, but I got an iMessage today. I opened it up and I looked at it. <laughs> I read the, I read the thing. And then my mom tried to call me at the same time. It just called the thing. And then it crashed, crashed both the apps. It crashed the iMessage and it automatically like disabled the phone. It was like, boom, no, but done. I was like, whoa, interesting. You know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. I've never seen like iMessage crash ever. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. Uh, so although not a part of my prediction, I'm also not too surprised. Um, they, they did change some windowing stuff. They're always mm -hmm. changing windowing stuff. And that always changes, especially the phone app. It has all sorts of weird privileges where mm -hmm. it can just take precedence over things. And so like mix the phone app with the messages app, which always has its own weird bugs and things like that. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of believe it. I kind of believe it. You know, the neat thing is these kinds of crashes though never do seem to show up in the release build. So I think they at least have good enough analytics that they're able to get these big crashers fixed. I got one other one, which uh, some people on Twitter were complaining, you know, we're not complaining. They were mentioning that, Hey, these apps don't work anymore. And uh, oh. I thought we were over <laughs> that. Uh, nope. My Regal cinema app does not work, which means I can no longer see movies on my Regal ultimate pass that I got on black friday for 50 percent off they don't want me to see movies um we're on beta that's 2 regal the, that's the problem with the main device you know it's yes you can tolerate your main device when you're just browsing the web or something it's mm -hmm. always yeah when you want to bring up a ticket stub or something or the wallet app doesn't work or icloud's yep. not working yep tis the trouble that's why i don't do it anymore <laughs> i should though because you were just you were creating a pit in my stomach i'm like oh darn it i actually haven't tested iCircuit on the phone on ios 16 i've tested mm. on the ipad but not on the phone and now i'm just like oh darn you james maybe i can yeah. find a phone around here to upgrade all my other stuff has been good though i mean to be honest with you, i guess i could test it for you um i own it your your apps how are your apps doing all good flawless bluetooth flawless. <laughs> numbers on a screen flawless um skiing reports flawless that's great. perfect now my because my now now to be said i want to be very clear just because it works in beta one and beta two does not mean your app's gonna work <laughs> in beta three okay oh uh, gosh we've seen that before what i think it was oh, yeah. I think it was an Android one where they like changed well, how strings worked or something. And like, we're just going to crash every app. And then they're like, just kidding. And the, here, the, the real problem is it can change so much throughout the entire beta cycle. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the style I've adopted is I get the initial beta. I pretty much ignore the middle betas. And then, you know, a week before we all think it's actually going to be released, I get the beta and then I fine tune my apps because usually you know, if there's a break in the operating system, it's usually a day or two to fix something like that. You know, it's usually not rocket science while your app is crashing on the new operating system. Uh, <laughs> I say that I'm knocking on wood, knocking on wood, everyone. <laughs> uh, so on. I generally tend to just get like the first and last beta. I don't chase the beta wagon because they break and change so much stuff in between, unless yeah. there's something on Twitter where they added something super duper awesome in one of the newer betas. Yeah. So you're still not going to run it on uh, your main device or you're going to, um, you know, I, from this report, I'm not really going to too many movies lately. So I think, uh, I think I might give it a shot mostly out of laziness just to make testing easier. 
because yeah i could go upgrade one of my older devices but it is actually easier if it's on the main device. Any cool features? Do you have any positive things to say about oh. iOS 6? Yeah, I mean, what are we up to? Yeah. The widgets are good. I've been using the widgets okay. on the home screen. That that's cool. They're there. That's a thing. Um uh, the search is now at the bottom and not at the top. <laughs> um Okay. That's great. <laughs> Oh, you know what is nice? They they finally fixed up a lot of the iCloud like menuing, the family stuff. They did a lot of time in the family mm. menu. That's really nice. It looks a lot better. You can see like who you're sharing subscriptions with and a bunch of other stuff. It looks it looks really solid. Like in the settings say. app. Mm-hmm. You would say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. That's a good I'm excited about the family sharing settings. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. iOS 16's best feature. That's the hotness. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope I'll give a better report next week <laughs> on what I discovered. Because, yeah, I think you convinced me. If if those are your biggest complaints, yeah. I think I'm on board. Yeah, I think you're fine. Besides that, yeah, that's great. The whole thing is great. Uh, it's, <laughs> the whole thing's great. Come on, Regal. <laughs> summary. Plug in an iPhone. Yes. Figure out why your app is crashing. Go to town there. Um, and everyone, I don't, if you're new to iOS development, little trick here. Um, if your app is crashing in a beta, you can't release a fix to that app using the beta. You have to install the old Xcode, make the fix using old Xcode, not the new Xcode, and submit that. So hopefully you can fix it before any of that stuff comes out. Then you can actually relax in September when all the stuff comes out instead of having a heart attack like the rest of us do. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's the problem. Is if it there, there must be a way to fix it, right? Or oh, maybe usually, not. usually it's honestly, it's usually just because I'm using an API incorrectly, or I made assumptions, or I made sizing assumptions because you know they love to change how like navigation controllers work and things like that. Mm. And so it's usually just when my code has like a hard coded constant in it. Or um, they deprecated an API at iOS 3 and I was still using it. Usually kind of stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that. Exactly. My assumption with the Regal app. Now, I don't work at Regal. If any of our listeners do, you can tell me if I'm wrong, is they're probably using a bunch of junk. And I know they're using a bunch of junk. Is that a technical term? Yeah, they're using a bunch (laughs) of junk. Okay, stop using junk in your apps, people. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't want it. I don't need my movie application to have yeah like 3d games with augmented reality stupid things i don't you know what it it needs to do show me the movies let me buy a ticket let me scan my ticket that's all i need i don't need to do anything else i don't remember when apps were simple do you remember those uis that was like ios 2 that was beautiful and i don't need all of your ads tracking shenanigans stop it it's the popovers. I can't believe popovers uh, have made it into apps. Oh, uh, I hate them so much. It made me vomit in my mouth. I'm sorry. I don't, and they, well, you know what they do is they put a tiny little X in the top right. And you're like, I'm not browsing not... the web and I'm not getting an advertisement from Casper Mattresses app. It's not in the hum- human interface guidelines. It's not oh. there. All right. Can they we revised those, by the way. Did you see that? What? Yeah, you told me about it. New, you're like, new Hig. Okay. And did, is it popovers in there? No. No, Apple is still against pop. You can do modal dialogues, but use the native one so it behaves like a native one, so it supports flick and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Remember when I was implementing the what's new in my app? I didn't do it as a pop-up. I did it as a as a thing 
I did it as a, you know, or a pop yeah, over. I used a proper, sheet, yeah. proper sheet. You slide it away. Just like a normal B. Do you know what Apple does? Copy that. Just do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, know. the problem is th- these apps copied it. They copied it in iOS 3. And because they didn't do it natively, they don't, haven't been able to keep up. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Let's move on. Coding yeah. time. This is my coding topic, Frank. My coding Ooh. topic. Frank. All right. I got a link for you because... How random. Uh, you're going to be like, James, this has existed for like ever, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I love Char- this. Can I hipster this? <laughs> partial methods. James, this has existed for a long time. Okay. <laughs> when was the last time you ever used a partial method? Never. You never used it, Frank. You ne- don't, don't you lie to me, Frank. You uh, have not used partial methods ever in your life. You've never done it. Use virtuals. You've definitely done virtuals. I often think very hard, like, how could I use partial methods to solve a problem, this problem, any problem? And I'm usually like, no, I don't think they solve the problem. (laughs) Should we talk about what these are? Should we set the setting at all? Or I, I... People probably get this idea. So so here's the scenario. And I just sent you a code block, which was I was updating the podcast application to use the new .NET community toolkit for MVVM has all these amazing source generators. And there was a little bit of code that had a public public getter and setter for the settings page. And there was is dark mode or is Wi-Fi only mode. And they set a value, a backing store value, like a Boolean. But they also call a method or set a a property somewhere, uh, like in a settings preference class. So they're doing multiple things besides being a very simple getter and setter. And I was like, huh, well, if I just add observable property, this attribute, it'll generate code. But how do I, you know, have it do something else besides, you know, the boilerplate generated code? So I asked the team because the very first thing I said is like, maybe I got to implement something or I got to override something or I got to do something. And what they said is, we'll look at the generated code. And sure enough, there is a, if it, so for example, there is dark mode enabled, right? Mm-hmm. And so you what have a it, property you want called, it's a Boolean, is dark mode enabled? Yes. Got it. And what that generates is the public getter and setter and all the MVVM stuff. But it also creates two partial methods. One is, is on dark mode enabled changed? And one is on, is dark mode enabled changing? Yeah. So there's the two of those. And um, when I was talking to the team, they're like, oh, yeah, just override the thing. And I was like, no, it's not in there. There's no override. And and then Sergio comes in and he's like, no, 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 it's it's, look at it. It says because I I said I looked at the (laughs) I I looked at it, I said partial void. And I was like, I think you're missing the virtual word in here. Like, I just didn't even think of it. You know what I mean? Because if if it's virtual, you can then override it. Right. And then trickle on down. But he's like, no, it's partial. You just use the partial keyword. And I was like huh, I don't even know how that works. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is the order of operation in this partial? What is going on here, Frank? Like, why yeah. does this exist? Why isn't it just virtual? Is there performance stuff? I want to know in general. Yeah. You know, I know you know because you're Frank Krueger. <laughs> I know. These have been around for a long time to support James exactly what you're trying to do. This is basically the reason they were invented. Um the idea was to help out code generators. So you want to be able to declare some things. Um, 
but maybe you don't want to declare them. So uh, in your case, you're trying to generate some properties. And so this code generator is doing all this magic stuff, however it works, whether it uses the new C-sharp 9 or 10 code generator, it doesn't matter. They're generating some code. They're doing your work for you. Great. But you need hooks into that. Mm-hmm. And so they need to provide these hooks. And so uh, step one, partial classes were invented where they're like, look, you can actually break the implementation of this class up into multiple files. It's beautiful. That's pretty cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. So that can help you keep your code organized. But it also supports, importantly, code generation scenarios where something is generating the class definition, but you may want to, and I'm going to abuse this word, override, (laughs) (laughs) but it's more like hook into, um, opt into uh, some optional capabilities of the system. And so for that, for these hooks, these partial methods were created. And yet, you know that you just use the word partial instead of virtual because they are separate. You can have partial virtual methods, of course, to make life really fun. (laughs) Uh, And the idea with these is elegant and simple. If no code calls them, they don't get compiled. Hmm. If code does call them, then it searches around for these partial class implementations, looks for an implementation of it, and if it exists, plops it in, and if it doesn't exist, throws up an error. So it's just a beautiful optional method mechanism. It's uh, actually kind of separate from the whole virtual method system, which it can work with, but think of it more like an optional method, and it only gets compiled if it's used. That's cool. Now, yeah, so... is it get added into the V table somewhere? The nope. virtual? No, it's not. <laughs> nope. Yeah. Okay. So if, uh, well, two scenarios, you call it or you don't. So um, I'm sorry, you implement, I, I'm so sorry, everyone. Uh, for, uh, every time I kept saying call, uh, implement. So you, uh... you put your own version of it. Sorry. Sorry. So you can put a million calls to it, <laughs> but if no one implements it, all those calls are no operation. Nothing happens. But if you, James, do implement it, if you implement on is dark mode enabled change, that's a very long name. But if you provide an implementation for that, that means their code and their setter for that property can call, will call your function. In their code, they always call your function, but actually the compiler, and this is important, not the compiler, not the runtime, the compiler won't emit it. Wow, that is that is clever because the difference with doing something that's like abstract or virtual is that it's it's added into the, the into the yeah. table, right? So it saves a lot of space. It, wow. You can provide hooks for free. Basically, you can put a million little holes in your API. Uh, the downside is it is separate from the virtual system. So the the virtual system, the over over uh, override system, is baked into the runtime. The .NET runtime Mm -hmm. knows about virtual methods and objects and V tables and all that kind of stuff. These partial methods are 100% a C-sharp feature. Wow. Uh, uh, F-sharp won't recognize them. Uh, But, you know, if you're living in the C-sharp world, it's all good. But it's it's very much just for that world also. Beautiful. Now now that makes sense. I, I, because now I understand, right, because the whole concept that, Sergio was talking to me about was it being super optimized and code this tightly code. So it makes sense. So like, Hey, we're going to generate it, but the compiler will remove that junk if you never use it, which is probably what mostly will happen. And so in this case, and it exists, that's mind boggling, amazing, Frank. I love it so So much. 
did ask me what was the last time I used this, and I actually use these kind of every day because I use storyboard files in my ah. iOS apps. And the code generator for those storyboard files, because they create objects and those objects are reflected through the magic of Xamarin <laughs> into um, uh, C-sharp C objects. And if you have methods declared within Xcode, they get generated as partial methods which is kind of fun um, because then you have the option or not to implement it in your own code. And of course, the code generator there emits partial classes. So you mark your class partial and it all works magically. Yep. Awesome pattern when doing code generation. Love it. I'm in. I'm going to start putting partials everywhere. That's my new Stop jam. It. <laughs> Don't use it for optimization, everyone. Already there is a linker that will attempt to remove code that you don't call. So don't put partial everywhere, you know, thinking that it's some kind of optimization trick. It's more about if um, if you just have separate class definitions that come from different places. Another place I used to, I used to do code generation from like Excel sheets <laughs> just because there was a large class hierarchy to gen code generate. Mm -hmm. And I would do the same kind of trick. I'd mark everything partial. And then in my code, I could just override without using the word override. Thanks. Oh, you can't stop me. I'm doing it everywhere, Frank. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. I win. Ha, ha, ha. No, that's cool. Thank you for that, that, that analysis. I think that's a good you know, like, hey, here's like what it is, because what what also is nice is, <laughs> is that when I'm using this, you know, when you type in override, there's a bunch of junk because you can just there's tons of stuff to override, like even in a class. Yeah. But when you do partial, like, I just typed in partial. And there's like two things because that's all there was <laughs> like, oh, it makes it really easy to, to find just the partial things. So that was, that was really cool. It's a nice little perk, I would say. Is that the oh, yeah. Should have mentioned the IntelliSense. Yeah, really important. There's partial and override. And I get confused, too, sometimes. I'll, I'll type override because in my head, I'll think they'll throw the partial list into the override list. But I don't think they do. Am I right? I don't think they do. No. Yeah. I think they're very much separate lists. Yeah, separate so lists. I have to remind myself about that, too. Yeah. When That's fun. That's a classic old feature. I, I love that you're bringing it up. Yeah. The more you know about C sharp, there you go. There's my two topics. Those are my two topics, Frank. What else do you do got? We have? Do we have any time left? Okay. Yeah. Let's. Yeah, we got yeah. time. Got plenty of time. Uh, let's do a fun little quick language one. I noticed a funny feature in C sharp eleven. This was going on around on the tweeters, and it is the scoped keyword. James, have you run into this one? Scoped, scoped as in like a scope, but with a D, like you scope, scoped it. Yeah, you scoped it. <laughs> no, I should, yeah, it's I a know. scoped variable. So it's a scoped. scoped var. Yeah. So it's this kind of neat thing that they introduced. Uh, you know how whenever you want to create a span, you can't say like span of T X semicolon. You actually have to give it a value. Uh -huh. The language actually requires that you give it a value. Yes. So you have to say span of T X equals blah, 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 some array or something like that. What the scope does is relaxes that rule a tiny bit. And I find it so funny. I'm like, gosh, I never thought about like, okay, I guess. I guess you'd want to do this. Uh, if you put the word scoped in front of it, it requires, and this is weird because they've always kind of required this, that you initialize that variable eventually mm. <laughs> within that scope. <laughs> And that's always been a little bit of a requirement. The C-sharp compiler has always checked whether you're using a variable 
uh, before it's been assigned to. But this changes that rule a tiny bit saying you absolutely must assign to this variable. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. And I think it's also just making life a little bit easier for these uh, things that you are required to initialize when they're created, just relaxing that rule a little bit so that you can write uh, maybe a little bit longer code, make it a little more clear what's going on. Interesting. So can this be applied to anything? Like, can you scope a Boolean or something like that? Or scope a, per, you know, just a class or a string? Like, <laughs> Sco- and then scope that out. <laughs> it does it Because, you know, I'm, when I think of scoping in C-sharp, I think about the squigglies, right? Because you yeah. can scope stuff to a squiggly block, basically, right? So if it's scoping, so it was, for example, like in the example that Kevin Jones from GitHub, like tweeted out about this, it was like, Hey, I'm creating a span of byte. And before I used to have to initialize it, and then I do an if check and if this assign it to this else assign it to this. Right. Um, but now with scoped, uh, it doesn't have to initialize it. It's just like, Hey, this is my span of byte and I'm going to initialize it down here. Does the scope end? Like, is it, is it, is it virtual? virtual squiggles <laughs> yeah uh, it's using the squiggles so the okay i do have a question i do wonder if it's introducing a new scoped scope right there which i'm pretty sure it is or if it's just using the outermost scope you know that the squiggles above it um i good good question james we should follow up on this yeah because I don't have the exact answer there. It would make a little more sense to me if it created a scope right there, exactly there where that variable is, but I don't want to commit to that without actually reading the language spec. We got to get Jared Parsons on probably. Jared said in this, he says, scoped is preferred going forward. He said, scoped modifier is declarative and works in more scenarios like parameters, refs, any type, et cetera, would be betting on that. Fun, fun and scary. Um, so I, <laughs> um, generally we, we, we have decent rules for scoping in C sharp, uh, there, we actually do have destructors. Have you ever used finalizers on your stuff? Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Am I not a C sharp developer, Frank? <laughs> I know. Okay. Well, I mean it more like I avoid them like the plague. Like Correct. If I have to put a finalizer on a class. I'm like, I'm doing it wrong. So I try not to use them, but yeah, they come up. Um, and that would usually require like a using context or something like that. But uh, any kind of struct that you create, those those are also somewhat already implicitly scoped. So I think this is more for like the ref type stuff. You know how they introduce those like ref structs in like that weird in between land where, mm. um, yeah, there's they're structs, but there's a lot of rules. They can only be allocated on the um the stack not the heap you know those kinds of rules so i think this is yet more refinement of the terrible ref structure <laughs> system yeah that's crazy i'm excited, I'm excited to see this I'm, i haven't really looked at a lot of the c sharp 11 features yet have we i don't think we did did we uh no. we, we we tried to do a quick run through but it's still going a little bit up and down so we'll, we'll definitely have to do another episode when it gets more finalized what yeah. are we up to in the previews Preview. preview five five okay yeah getting there getting up in the numbers and that's usually Crazy. like a november release if i remember correctly so every november we'll have to do another yeah <laughs> we'll have to do another episode for sure yeah definitely i'm excited i mean it's all happening it's all happening <laughs> um 
What else now, I have one last topic, which is a follow-up for a little discussion you and I have. I don't think I quite made it to the show, so I have to give a tiny bit of context here. Um, I was asking you, James, do you think that Iron Python works on iOS, like Xamarin iOS? And I asked that question to you, and what was your response? No. <laughs> Hashtag no. <laughs> I think your response was, I don't know. <laughs> I believe it was, I don't know, but in my soul, I was like, that's definitely not going to work, but I'm not going to tell you <laughs> to not waste your time because I'm actually kind of curious. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of curious too. Um, my use case, in case you're interested, no, I don't, I'm not going to write my iOS apps in Python. That's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, but I do have apps where it'd be nice to import Python code. And mm -hmm. so it'd be nice to have access to Iron Python. That's all. And, and, if, and if you don't know, Iron Python is Python running on .NET. It's a .NET standard library, but there's all these limitations when running on iOS. James, the answer is yes. Yes, it works. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't easy, though. Um, and I have to admit, it wouldn't work on old Xamarin. Uh, thankfully, oh, wow. what, a few years ago, uh, they added an option to apps where you could support the interpreter. Yeah. And that was important for supporting Python because what happens is Python uses the DLR, the dynamic language runtime. And that puppy likes to generate code at runtime and Apple hates it when you do that. So yeah. you have to run an interpreter and it was a new feature in Mono to do that. So the trick everyone, and this blew me away, you can create a, a iOS app, import Iron Python, uh, load up some code, execute that code. Uh, you just have to enable the interpreter. And there were, it was like a funny extra little reference I had to add to like Microsoft.C Sharp or something like mm. that. And then it worked, James. It worked. Can you believe it? I I have to, you need a sample on the GitHub that does something very, very simple because mm -hmm. I, back in the day, I was trying to get Iron Python working what I wanted. <laughs> what I wanted to do is I had an Azure function that so here's a bunch of source code on the internet and it was all Python. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to run that Python code inside of a C sharp Azure function. So I could just write C sharp mm, to write mm -hmm. into the Python <laughs> instead of creating a Python Azure function. Do you know what I ended up doing, Frank? Oh, God. Oh, I wrote a Python Azure function because I couldn't figure it out um, yeah. <laughs> because it's probably way too complex. And, you know, I needed to start with hello world from Python, like hello from yeah. Python. Right. <laughs> that would be cool. Now, do now do we know that Apple will allow the interpreter to be on? And I'm going to say yeah. yes, because isn't continuous. It also has it on. Right. <laughs> yes. And, and that's the answer there. Yeah. Uh, so the rules, app, Apple's rules are mystifying and complex, but uh, hashtag I'm not a lawyer. Do this at your own risk. If you get turned down at the App Store, hashtag not Frank's fault. Um, these are my warnings. <laughs> now, what I will say is, in general, um, as long as you don't download code to execute, as long as you're shipping all the code that it will execute, or the user can type in the code, mm. uh, you know, the, the trick happens where you're downloading code from the internet. That's where they get a little more upset and you have to talk them through it. But generally speaking, as long as you just execute code that ships with your app, <laughs> that's the important thing. Uh, the actual way they phrase it is it has to be testable at test time. That's mm. it. 
Yeah. You, you, and that's the more general rule of you can't hide features. And so downloading random code from the internet is hiding a feature. According to I, I do get that question all the time from people, which is, oh, how do I download DLLs from the internet? And then like, <laughs> no, not, no, nope. <laughs> don't, no. Read if your you, agreement. <laughs> yeah. If you have an internal app that you're putting into your own app store, like an Intune store or something sure. like that, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Turing machines. It's just software people. You can literally do anything you want yeah, as long as you're yeah. out of the sandbox. <laughs> yes. Yes. But yeah. Um, but in the, <clears throat> and it's fine. Uh, it is interpreted, but it, it's fast, everyone. It's fast. These devices are so gosh darn fast, like compared to, you know, iCircuit can run interpreted just fine on these devices. It's a little bit of a joke, but uh, so it's fine, especially for my little trick of I'm mostly importing Python code to do analysis on it and that kind of thing. And I'll just be doing a very controlled execution of it. So I'm excited. Um, I'm hoping to get a little bit of Python code in um, iCircuit, and I have a little neural networks app I have sometimes work on <laughs> that I I'm excited to try to put this into. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely want to see a small demo, and I also want yeah. to see a blog post. I think that'd be rad. Oh, yeah. I we should do a video I can totally that. do that. We yeah. should do a video Our, I'll yeah. do a tweet, a tweet or something. I'll I'll do something, everyone. <laughs> but it is fun, it, it, and you know that's I I love .NET because it is supposed it's a multi language system, and it's fun seeing all the languages kind of play together. Yeah, that's so cool. Oh my goodness, we did it! We did it! We did it four. Ep it's not even lightning topics either. This is just Random. like here's where it's Weird. at. This is what we were thinking about thirty minutes before the episode. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It's, it's very true. I mean, this is, this is our life. And if you want more of our life, you can become a Patreon subscriber member thing. There's a page at patreon.com, patreon.com <laughs> slash merge conflict FM. Yep. That's it. You can go there and then you can, you can uh, become a patron. I and mean, you know what you get? You get cool discord uh, perks. You get a little thing on there that says your discord, your member. And then also you get a bonus podcast every, just about every single week. And, and this one's about spiders, which is terrifying because we both, what? Frank and I hate spiders. So there's better ones. So, okay. So let me give you a, a sneak peek. We should just put out a bonus one. Sneak peek. We did a WWDC update. That was cool. We did uh, one on garbage disposals. Uh, important, important stuff here. <laughs> uh, we did one on uh, manual labor that we do outside at our houses and how we don't like mostly doing James, mostly James. Yeah. We did one on how nobody's listening to the bonus episodes. That's just <laughs> what we titled it. That's not what we talked about. Now I totally forgot what we talked about. <laughs> I got to go back and listen. We do. And they're all about like just 10 minutes and it has its own RSS feed. So you can get it right in your podcast. We did one on selling stuff on, Oh, this is a good one. Donuts, cameras, YouTube, and analytics. That's pretty good. That's that a was good a great one. episode. I remember that one. Yeah. That was that was when you were becoming photographer, James. People ask, what does that do for us? Well, one, it helps us pay our expenses for this podcast. We got to pay fees every single month to put this podcast onto the internet. We used to buy a bunch of swag. We'd like to do that again, too. And additionally, we make all these podcasts in our spare time because we love all of you and we love doing it. And, um, you know, it helps us say that you like the podcast. So it's a little bonus there. And uh, Frank, you know, he doesn't uh, have a, a full time 
salary job. And we got to support nice way of saying I know I'm unemployed. Thanks. <laughs> he's uh, he's you know employed by. He doesn't himself. have a jobby job. I believe they're um, called jobby jobs. We don't have a jobby job. But other people ask, well, how does it work? Right. Well, all the money goes to me, <laughs> and then um, my boss, <laughs> my boss, and then and this is how it works. I, I, we did a whole podcast thing on how this works. So the money comes into my LLC, right, and then. Um, this is actually a per, well, it doesn't matter because Frank is going to get taxed on this regardless. So, and then I say, Hey Frank, this is how much we made $10. And then I say, Frank, I had to, I had to pay $2 so we can split $8 and Frank gets four of those dollars. He gets 50% because Frank is 50% of this podcast, even though I edit and publish and produce yeah, all of them you really I messed up that, that negotiation that was uh you really <laughs> i remember when you first pitched that i was like huh i'm getting the better deal here <laughs> but i do force frank to you know report record podcasts from mongolia for example so i think it all worked out at the end of the day <laughs> i love doing those trades and those, those patreon episodes are just fun honestly um in the beginning we were sporadic but we've been we've been pretty good about getting those out every week keeping it on you don't have to do any of that you can just listen to this normal podcast you can give us a review Hi. on the apple podcast you can tweet it out to the people be like wow this is a great episode you should listen to that and that totally helps us and that's actually all we really need in general, because I do have a full-time job and Frank actually does have a full-time job and, and we do okay, but we, you know, it helps us out. It makes us think that people want more of this, you know, in general. Inside baseball. Let's not bring feelings into it. It's purely professional. It's 100% feeling based, but that's going to do it for this week's Merge, Com Merge Complex. I think until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.